The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey, (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa is for educational purposes only and is not intended to provide a physician-patient relationship, give diagnoses, prescribe treatment, or do psychotherapy. Please contact your healthcare provider to obtain treatment. This podcast is produced with caller interaction. Follow Dr. Mona Lisa on Facebook and Instagram to be a part of the next podcast taping. Discover your body's natural ability to heal. Welcome to Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa. Have you suffered from heartburn, exhaustion, during that holiday dinner with your family, you haven't seen in a long time, didn't know why. Have you ever gotten exhausted, gained weight, gotten a headache when you listened to someone talk about how they had a great week and a great vacation when you knew they didn't? If you ever get sick, or feel distressed when you're talking with somebody and you don't know why. Maybe it's empathy. Maybe you're sensitive, but you already knew that. Today is your day because we're talking about being empathy, being empathic and sensitive, and how to do that without getting sick. Today's world is very common to people saying, I'm empathic, you're empathic. Is it really that? case or are they just nervous today's show is going to change your life but it's going to teach you how to be caring without intrusive empathic without anxious and sensitive without getting sick This is Healthy Living with Dr. Mona Lisa, Healthy Living Intuitively with me, Dr. Mona Lisa podcast on mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network. My name is Dr. Mona Lisa. Well, we have this holiday weekend and everyone's got in the car. And maybe you're used to talking to all your family about how you feel. And you know how you feel. But how about talking with people and what's coming out of their mouth is not matching what you feel? That they go, oh, my God, Norman and I had such a great vacation. You know, the ship was great. Everybody had COVID, but, you know, the food was wonderful. They did such a good job with all the face masks and though everybody was vomiting crazy, we really had a great time. The face is smiling. The talk is pleasant. But yet, while you're listening to this, those aren't the pictures you're getting. That's intuitive and that's sensitive. But... You know, they've done studies of people like that. There's a guy named Salvador Mnuchin, and he studies families. 
And there was always a sensitive one in the family. He didn't call it empathic. That was before everybody was empathic. I'm kidding. I'm being a little sarcastic. Everybody's empathic these days. He talked about and every family was a sensitive one. They were kind of the black sheep. Everyone, yeah, you know, you're too sensitive. Stop taking everything so personal. So Salvador Mnuchin, notice that these people almost always had digestive problems, ulcerative colitis, Crohn's. Today we call it IBSD, IBSB. They almost always had weight problems, also bulimia, anorexia. And you would, you're going to find out they also have adren adrenal gland problems. So that includes all those people who say they have adrenal fatigue. They also had diabetes as well. So there you go. So in medical tuition, we call that third center, which has to do with responsibility. So we noticed these people were the sensitive people in the, in the family. They were the ones that picked up people's feelings and wanted to talk about the, what was really going on, which a lot of times people found annoying. So he had the people sit in the room and after a week, he measured stress hormones. And he looked at this person's health. Cortisol levels and all the people in the family were like one nanogram per ml. But the sensitive one was two, which would make sense. That makes sense. It's sensitive and they're stressed. Stress hormones high. They're sensitive. That's high. And their health is not good. So he thinks, okay, they're empathic, they're sensitive, and they're sick. Are we surprised? So he thinks, okay, I'm going to fix this and fix this good. So he tells everyone to basically stop talking about the problem because he thinks this is going to make it better. If he gets that person to stop talking about what is bothering them, they'll stop saying things like, I feel for you. What is that like for you? Tell me more about that. Sounds like a therapist? Yes, it does. Because the majority of these people, the sensitive ones in the family, end up leaving and becoming therapists. I'm kidding. Well, actually, they do, but or social workers or things like that. But that's beside the point. So suffice it to say, he says, for everyone, stop talking about what's going on. Stop talking about their feelings. So mother stops talking. The father stops talking. They just talk about, how about those Red Sox? How about those Mets? Or fill in the nearby sporting team. And then after a week, he measures the stress hormones of people, and he looks at that sense of a person's health. Well, everybody, almost, well, almost everybody, you probably guessed it, or maybe you didn't, mother's stress hormone went down. Father's stress hormone went down. Everybody's stress hormone went down. Maybe the cat or the goldfish went down. I'm kidding. But how about that sensitive, empathic person? It went up. In fact, the total amount in the family of stress hormone pretty much stayed the same. However, it registered in this sensitive person's body. Their diabetes, weight, their health problem got worse. So this empathic, sensitive person got sick, which is the title of this show. How do you watch the problems in the family go unspoken about and not get sick? How do you observe what's going on and not internalize it? Well, in standard cognitive behavioral therapy, dialectic behavioral therapy, you're supposed to take your right brain emotions and what you intuitively key into. You're supposed to bring it to your left brain and name it. I see you people are not telling the truth. Like, you know, at Thanksgiving dinner or something. I understand you all, people are all talking about the turkey and the stuffing, but let's talk about what's really going on. Some of us are wearing masks and some of us aren't. And this is, you know... This is not good. And then, of course, there'll be a huge uproar and, you know, that you, everybody will be sick. 
because you'll have a big, huge political problem there. No, it's not true that you're supposed to take a feeling, bring it to your left brain, name it, so it doesn't internalize. That's not going to help you if you're empathic and sensitive. To not get sick is to just talk about it. No, that's not the right answer. Uh, wrong. You're supposed to name it, respond effectively. Many people who are very intuitive and empathic, that's what they do in the family. They go, hey, listen, I know you people are talking about the cruise or the, you know, what went on on the way here at the airport, but you're really not talking what's going on. What's really going on is, and you'll give them the inter- intuitive, deeper version. At which time you will be ostracized and you'll be scapegoated. And then your immune system will really go south. Then your adrenal gland will really get wound up, take whatever body fat you do have, convert it via progesterone to cortisol, and you'll really get an immune system problem. The cortisol will go to the nearby pancreas and your weight will have a problem or the adrenal gland will produce epinephrine and muscles will spasm, spasm, spasm in your bowel, increasing your chance toward what we used to call spastic colon and now causing all kinds of colitis problems, not to mention the autoimmune aspect of ulcerative colitis and Crohn's. Suffice it to say, being empathic and sensitive to not get sick about it is to be able to observe and describe it You might see things differently than other people in your family. And you might be able to note it. Be able to figure out how to respond effectively. What is the right thing to do? And that is important. If it's say nothing all the time, you're going to get sick because you're going to absorb it say nothing and swallow it. You'll look like your standard blowfish. You'll just get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And the other thing, so that's what I call intuitive constipation. That's not, that doesn't work. On the other hand, if you tell anybody and everybody, okay, listen, I am trained at seeing this and I am going to tell you a more effective, spiritual, transcendent way of fixing this because we don't want to be um, non-spiritual about this. That doesn't work either. Because, you know, people who tended to try to bring populations of people where they didn't want to go, evolutionary-wise, were burned at the stake. Or, you know, I'm not talking about witches in Salem. I'm actually talking about Joan of Arc or other martyrs is what I'm talking about. Martyrs never do well because they put themselves out there to try to bring change. But, you know, the bearers of bad tidings, they often, uh, well, you know what happens there. So it's called diplomacy. And diplomacy requires saying the right thing to the right person at the right time, with the right amount of intensity. Because otherwise, if you are trying to change people because you think what you're observing is wrong, that you are assuming that you're an expert. You're assuming you have a perspective a knowledge and an expertise when no one does on earth. There's a great book why bad things happen to good people. Let's talk about deadly illness, suffering, accidents, people dying before their time, and mothers or parents trying, seeing their children go in a bad way and trying to prevent this. For one, this is the reason why I tied my tubes at 36, but that doesn't help people who have had kids and try to steer them in a better place to prevent bad things from happening to their good kids. The thing is you can't. 
follow somebody around 24-7? And the answer is, everybody has a higher power in you, ain't it? That is a very sobering thought. We all have, when we get to this planet, we buy a round-trip ticket. We are born and we die. And to some degree, no one really controls the latter. We can try. We can try. We can try. However, it is a sobering thought that if you try to control someone's life, you are living it, living it for them. And then it's no longer their life. And then you'll be carrying the stress of their life and you're going to get sick. So that's not really empathic. That's wanting something for them. I used to say, or it said, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. My phrase is, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't give him an IV. A friend of mine used to say, but you can. And I'd say, but what would be the point? You can force a person to live your way. You can force a person to live. But what would be the point? Because the moment you look the other way, they won't. And then you'll be forever hypervigilant for those moments that if you were to look away, they won't. And then your life, like a conjoined twin, will be forever joined to theirs to preempt any madness. And that will be no life. And that is empathy and sensitivity and getting sick. So that's where co-dependence works. That if you're forever, you can be intuitive, you can be sensitive, but you cannot live for someone. You can live in parallel with them, but you cannot direct or control. You can suggest once or twice, and then you can dial 1-800-LET-IT-GO with a sponsor and possibly duct tape on your mouth if necessary, which I've tried. It hasn't worked for me. Suffice it to say, it would be an impulse control problem if you had a hard time putting a shut to the up and not intervening. Because that means that you are synchronicity, you are resonating with their pain, you are feeling it for them. And that is um, intuition run amok. And you can learn with mindfulness and DBT to withhold the irresistible impulse to live their life for them, to intervene. Because that's not empathy. That's driving their car for them. And that's stealing their life. That's not empathy. That's impulsivity. And it's unkind. You're a body, they're a body, you're a separate body, you're not conjoined twins. You have a right to make a mistake and you have, and you do, and they have a right to make mistakes. They can and they will. And it's very hard for all of us to watch everybody else mess up. There's a famous line in Moonstruck at the end. As you remember, Loretta, played by Shea, is engaged to Johnny Camareri. However, she falls in love with his brother and that's not good. She has an affair. So one last time she goes with her his brother to the opera. And at the end of that, he says, come home with me and sleep with me. And she said, you've got those eyes, those wolf's eyes. I'm not going home with you. I'm going to marry your brother. And Camareri, the guy she's having the affair with, he says, he he makes bread in the bakery. He's not, doesn't sound like the bread is bulb in the chandelier, but he says a very elegant answer 
to how to be empathic and sensitive without getting sick. Because this is brother he's having an affair on. He says, we are born to fall in love with the wrong people in the mess up. And then he says, now get in my bed. But that's not point, the part of the show. We are born to fall in love with the wrong people and the mess up. And we do. And that's how we evolve and learn. And it's very hard to let other people do that. There's a phrase by the famous poet May Sarton. I knew a phoenix, so let them have their day. Phoenix is a bird, from my understanding, I'm not really great with poetry or reading, for God's sakes, but a phoenix is famous for, I like, I guess, coming back from the dead, from the ashes, something like that. So I interpret that poetry line, I knew a phoenix, so let them have their day, meaning you've crashed and burned to come back to life. So let other people do the same. Because somehow you ain't dead yet. Let them come through that feeling of, you know what? I almost crashed and burned, but gosh darn it, I'm still here. Eh, a little worse for the wear, but I'm here. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and we're talking about being empathic and sensitive. We're taking your calls for the show. For a mini reading or a comment, 207-846-6475. Shy, want a private reading? Email me, drmonalisa.com, www.drmonalisa.com for a private one or two hour reading. But subscribe to Healthy Living Intuitively with me, Dr. Mona Lisa, podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Remember this forum is educational only, is not intended to provide a physician patient relationship, give diagnoses, prescribe treatment, or do psychotherapy. And please contact your healthcare provider to obtain treatment. If you are in an emergency, please go to your nearest emergency room. Do not stay on the podcast for God's sakes. I am now available. Take your call. It helps to put the receiver back on the right way. So, how can I be of help? You can unmute your phones on this day before Thanksgiving in this wonderful glow of the banker lights that I got on sale, save from Staples. How can I be of help? Anybody have any questions? Raise your hand. Anybody, because otherwise I have episodes of Super Nanny to catch up on. Nobody has any questions. You okay? Angela has a question. Um, yeah, I guess I have a question about if if um, I do healing work, and I find that my my patients who have been with me for over twenty years are the ones who go through my boundaries. So I guess my question is how- Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on a second. I allow them to. No, that's not what I'm, what oh. do you think I'm gonna say to you. Oh, okay. What are you, an intuitive? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say that. Okay. I didn't say that at all. Mm -hmm. Clients that you've had for years go through your boundaries. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm a simple person, or I play one on TV. I really wanted to be a behavioral neurologist or a surgeon, but my spine fell apart. So I became a psychiatrist because I could sit down, okay? So being simple, when I started, I wanted to know what self-esteem was, and I wanted to know what a boundary was. I also wanted to know what grounded was, but that was a little too much for those people. So... I wanted to know what a boundary was, how I saw it on a scan, where it was in neuroanatomical. I think I know now, but that's conjecture. Um, was there a meter or a measurement tool to measure? Because they would say, she has poor boundaries. Her boundaries are too big. 
he has poor boundaries. His boundaries are too big. I heard that there was a woman, a little girl, who was sociopathic. They said she had no boundaries. I found that hard to believe. I actually thought she didn't pay attention to other people's boundaries. Mm. So I got very confused with the concept she had no boundaries, when really I saw that she was rifling through people's things. So she had boundaries, but she didn't pay attention to anybody else's, when really I would have just used plain English and said she violates rules. Let's just be very clear. So on the other hand, so the word boundaries to me, I don't understand that. Suffice it to say, boundaries are a very therapeutic word. When we use healing and medical intuition, I often, when I teach intuition, I think of right brain. This is my dance space. This is your dance space. And like the movie, Dirty Dancing, when you teach dirty dance, when you teach dancing, specifically ballroom, which I have taken, you have to keep the frame as in therapy. Mm -hmm. This is my dance space and this is your dance space. And you have to keep the frame. Otherwise, you're accused of having spaghetti ops. My assumption is what you are saying, that when you have increasing familiarity, you are moving from the third center medical intuition, work archetypal association, to increasing familiarity in professional realms. We call that spaghetti arms. <laughs> that the interpersonal distance between you and the other person is getting too close. Yeah. So when I when we hear the word boundaries, when you say that your boundary, you are violating boundaries. The person doesn't know. To me, when I had a class in intuition, the first year we had COVID, I still had it. We wore masks, but my way of listening and following the rules, which is another way of saying a, a different form of boundary, was I went around with a tape. And um, I measured the boundary, spaghetti arms, the dance space between me and other people and them, the interpersonal distance. So when I'm hearing you say, that's a therapeutic phrase, what I'm hearing you say is that the longer you knew somebody, the, de the increasing familiarity, the decreased professionalism, and the lesser distance interpersonally, or wait for it, drum roll please, Intimacy. Now, <laughs> there are a variety of forms of intimacy. There is the, you sit on your side of the room and I'll sit on my side of the room, or your chair becomes closer. There's no longer shaking hands, but hugging. There is let's meet for coffee. Why don't you meet at my house? Let's meet on the weekends or at nights. Or they ask you about your private life. They ask you if you were depends. <laughs> they ask you if you still have your period. And now I'm using something called irreverent humor. To any extension of they touch you above the waist inappropriately, below the waist inappropriately, above the garment, below the garment. I think you know what we're talking about. And then, of course, you get reported to some board somewhere. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24 through 26. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. So let's stop using the word boundary because it has the resolution of a first generation x-ray machine. And let's talk about, you know what I mean by first generation x-ray machine? 
that means one caveman looks at another caveman and goes, I think you're walking crooked. <laughs> Let's just say that you have a new client and you talk to them in some way. But then if you've seen a client more often, and notice I'm using the word client, just how do they get closer interpersonally distant wise? Time wise that you see them more often, closer wise that you sit with them, that you touch them, or that you tell them more about yourself, or they ask more about yourself. Are you asking me? Yes. Um, more that I give more time because they become more familiar. No, you know, no, 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 no. I use a long-winded description because I wanted you to itemize. Yeah. Okay. You said. Yeah. They break my boundaries. Yes. So then you answered the state. Then you said, because I allow them. However, you answered the statement with, I give them more time. Okay. I, I, I didn't phrase that correctly. I think what I should have said was um, because sometimes I'm too kind and my heart goes out to people suffering. I give them more time. They expect more time. Nope. And I, can I explain to why? Because part of this, hmm. part of this, that whole dialogue was to teach you, to teach you how to itemize, mm -hmm. then identify where you're having a problem, a checklist. Where is this problem going with oh. my empathy? So it, what it, happens is the more you spend time with them, the more your defenses go down. Yeah. And as a result, the harder it is for you to say, that's all the time we have now. Yes. It's not a global disinhibition where you're head injured and you're like, as soon as you hear a need, you just go over time. This is a gradual familiarity where the longer they know you either they know how to reel you in yes so now i'm giving you credit they know how to say something which usually is at the end of the appointment okay at the end of the appointment it, they won't say anything they won't say anything they won't say but do you understand the people who are listening to this this is not about a therapist. This is not about a counselor. This is not about a healer. Everybody and his mother-in-law knows this. Someone calls you, right? You're about to sit down for dinner or you got to go to the bathroom, okay? You know this kind of person, okay? You say, you know what? They'll say, you got some time? You say, yeah, I got about 10 minutes, right? So they talk about absolutely nothing for nine and three quarter minutes, right? And you go, oh, okay. Well, I'm glad you called. So you're doing that, rolling them. Mm -hmm. you're, you're doing the rolling up, wrapping up tone, right? Which is a signal for everyone, see you later, goodbye. I got to pee or I got to eat. No, they don't. That's when they pull in. Well, today I bashed my head in, my dog died, and my mother jumped off of a bridge. So that means that you can't pee, okay? You can't eat. And you're not getting off the phone. And that's not right. Do you understand? So this applies to everyone but you. I'm itemizing it. Because you blamed yourself when you thought I was blaming you and causing you, calling you a fool. When I'm not. You are doing a behavior that a lot of people do. So what you're saying is, the longer they know you, the longer they know how to hook you. Because their familiarity is. So, that's, so this is a great technique. This is the... The 95-5 rule, okay? 95% of the time, 
is taken up by, hi, how are you? And find how are you? How about those Red Sox, right? Then we all of us are about to sit down to dinner, right? And you're the only two people in the room. They've got your ear. That's when they say, by the way, you're about to sit next, sit, sit next to an axe murderer. Are you aware of that? <laughs> you can't do anything about it. That's mm-hmm. when you say you have a pat phrase. I'm really thrilled you told me that. You're going to see their face change. Because if it was really an important thing to share with you, they would have shared it at the beginning. Do you Mm -hmm. understand? I am sure you understand this. If I said, if if you were about to warn me, okay, that your house was on fire, someone just died, you come in the room, throw your coat on the floor and go, I am so glad we're speaking today because my house is on fire, my toe fell off, and my cat just lost all of her hair. You wouldn't wait till the last five minutes with stupid preemptive comments. Do you understand? Yeah. And then wait till the last five minutes. That is called your basic manipulative gesture. Right. So you are going to practice that. And then you're going to note that this individual is breastfeeding. And then you're going to note that you gain weight when you talk to this person. And then you're going to note that that person is breastogenic, meaning they're using you to breastfeed. And mm-hmm. then you're going to learn that this person is pers- possibly not a healing candidate. Mm. That they are there for a transfusion. Right. And then you have to ask yourself, what the hell am I doing here? Because you will invariably, at the end of it, feel angry. Mm -hmm. Now then, if I go late, right, and someone does that, I have a choice. If I stay on the phone, right, and they start arguing, I say a reading, a private reading is two hours long, right? And you said one last question. They said yes. I said, but this is my time now. What? This is my time. This is now my time. You didn't pay for this time. If you don't like the answer, that's too bad. (laughs) I don't have to use the tone that you like. (laughs) I get to speak in plain English because it's free. I'm not going to be mean or abusive. I'm going to speak in plain English. If you want me to stay on the phone, which I really want to, because now I really want to say what I want to really, really help you but it's not going to be exactly what you wanted to hear. Not like I was doing the rest of the what you wanted to hear. So my point is, if you continue to be with that person, it's because you chose it and understand it's a high-risk maneuver. But be very careful that intuitively it is at a risk to your body and it is not therapeutic. Mm-hmm. And it is a trend and it is breastogenic fourth center and it is weightogenic. You will gain weight independent of what you eat. And is that really what you want to do? And it is no longer a healing session. You are Bessie the cow. Yeah. (laughs) Does that make sense? It absolutely does. Because when I take time off and travel, my weight goes normal and I feel great. Right. I go into work and work with these chronic people I've had for years. I feel so. Then you have that when you say that you're a healer. Mm -hmm. I don't understand because if you take this is my point. Mm -hmm. If you're doing the same medicine all the time, Mm -hmm. and they still come back, why are they coming? Oh, they're getting better. (laughs) Um, Wait a minute. Yeah, they don't. But they're pulling that maneuver. You're transfusing them. Right. When people go to the Red Cross Mm -hmm. for platelet rich plasma or packed red cells, they're getting transfused. Yeah. Are you healing them or are you transfusing them? Because Uh, in orthodontia work, I had orthodontia work twice. mm -hmm. The first guy knocked out eight teeth. Mm hmm. Put a retainer in. 
The only problem was my spine felt, okay. The second one, fix them. I wear a retainer. You heal them, but there's no retainer and the teeth go back. Yeah. How come they don't hold the treatment? Um, some do, like a certain percentage do. Thank but- you. My point is, is for those particular people yeah. who this pattern occurs, mm-hmm. then you have to ask, you have to do a research study on this population and ask yourself, with these people with long-term who pull this maneuver, this is a syndrome. Call mm-hmm. it a syndrome and say to yourself, they're not holding a treatment and I'm transfusing them. And it is a risk versus benefit to me. And for people who answer the phone 10 minutes before they have to pee or eat, you have to say to yourself when they say, oh, it's just a five minute, but it isn't because mm-hmm. they wait for the last minute and they lay this bomb when really what they really do is a manipulation. They want a transfusion. Do you get it? Yeah. And I know who these people are. Very hard to cut them off. Oh, no, no, no. Then you go into, and somebody mm-hmm. else is here, you go into supervision. You get someone to teach you how to do it. Otherwise, you run the risk risk of finding out that you're getting something out of it. You like to transfuse. I don't really like it. <laughs> no, I know, but you're still doing it. To continue to do wow. something that has adverse consequences is the definition of psychosis. Right. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. Or you run the risk of getting sick. Yeah. You said you gained weight. Yeah. Well, it it happened last week. I was in a bad car accident after I treated four people in a row like that. And I left later than I wanted to. And I hit black ice in a multi-car accident. And I know it was because I couldn't say no for these people at the end of the day. Supervision. Yeah. So I need to work with yes. someone yep. to say no. Yeah. Good exactly. luck. You take it easy. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Anybody else? That's a great question, but it's a generalized. It's not just therapy. It's, that's not an empathic question. That's feeling someone's pain. Um, feeling roped in to help, continuing to get roped in to help and realizing, am I helping this person or not? That's complicated. That's not empathic. That's something else. That is an entanglement. And it can lead to sickness. That's empathy and sensitivity plus entanglement equals illness. That can happen with anybody. It doesn't just happen with a practitioner or a therapist. It can happen with a mother or a father, you know, a cousin, a niece, a boss, a coworker, anybody. Anybody else? Yes, Margaret. Do I have to be on video? No, you don't have to be on video. Well, okay. Um, and I don't know if it's related to the topic or not, but I, um, I'm, I'm in some, I'm in some therapy. I'm seeing a, a clinical psychologist, uh, recently divorced, um, relationship of 15, 16 years fell apart. Ma- Margaret, how old are you? I am 55. Okay. And I'm, I'm working things out, but I, I feel like there's some physical things going on and I'm also just kind of um, lost my fire for life. No, 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 because the relationship fell apart, but the relationship was like a brace. It helps stabilize you in life. It was like a walker. Yeah. In fact, without that walker, you've lost your footing. I have. You can't, you've lost emotional footing, physical footing. Um, 
vocational footing. It's like, um, it depends on how long you've been with somebody. You know, we have multiple profit centers in our life. Like we have multiple areas of nutrients. Yeah. We can, um, we have an immune system, we have hormonal system, digestive, cardiac, um, thyroid, nervous system. Similarly, we have a family, we can have an intimate relationship, financial work, parents, children, a voice in the world, intellect, and spirituality. And we need to have a contribution from all of those. We can't have all of our eggs in one basket. Yeah. Some people, once they find a mate, that's it. Their whole life revolves around that mate. And like um, once that person dies or leaves, it's like, that's it. Everything leaves. I once had a patient. His life was all about his wife. Um, they had been together for 45 years. She dies. He stops eating. And he won't eat. He won't sleep. He won't do anything. He ends up in the psych unit. And um, they st start, you know, they say he has a vegetative psychotic depression. And they start putting in a tube to force feed him. It's literally, when you lead a horse to water, you can't make him drink. Mm -hmm. But you can give him an IV. You can force feed him. But what would be the point, right? So literally, he was saying, I have no life without my wife. And he literally wanted to join her. But that was a 45-year relationship. Right. He ate, slept, walked, thought, did everything around her. Um, the thing is, when they did, when they tried to put the tube in, they found he had a cancer in his esophagus. So I guess he had the last laugh, and he died. And he joined his wife. Yeah. So my point is, there's something about you that I have a hard time seeing a purpose in life. I have a hard, how old are you again? 55. 55. I have a hard time seeing a vocation that matters, that rejuvenates you. I see that you have a kind of anxiety in the world yeah. that makes it hard for you to be out in the world without somebody. That literally, mm -hmm. hold on a second, without yeah. like traveling without somebody independently, long-term, like getting mm -hmm. on a plane and flying. Mm -hmm. There's something about this person that you thought was it, that your life wrapped around them. It happens frequently at midlife when someone thinks that this person is the last plane train in the station, they start spending so much time around them that they see their girlfriends, boyfriends, co-workers, they start to pull away from interests, other interests, and spend more time with this person. Did you live with them? Oh, no. Yeah, we were married. She had five kids. Um, and uh, I mean, I made her life my life. But that was... How, that was long, were you with, how long were you with her? Uh, 15 years. We were married for 10, 11. Um, Let me put it this way. I got a calculator here. That's why I brought up that example. You acted like you were here with her since the Nina the Pinta and the Santa Maria. <laughs> okay. I said that guy was with her for 45 years. I embellished right. it because I knew you weren't with this partner for a long time. In fact, you were with him. See how it was tricked? See how I, I ran interference there? You were with her for a third of the time they, he was with his wife. So one could understand why once she died, he basically rolled up the sidewalks and, you know, closed up shop. But you're 58, right? 55. Okay. Yeah. So let's just say relationship life begins at 18. Okay. So 55 minus 18 equals. So that means you have 15. 1,537 relationship years. That's ridiculous. Okay. 55 minus 18 equals, that means you have 37 relationship years. So 
15 divided by 37 equals. So that means 40% of available relationship life was spent with her. That means 60% of the time you could be or with what was with somebody else or was alone. Yeah. Do you get it? Yes. So that means you weren't with her for 40,000 years, only 40%. Right. Right. See? So what you're saying is, never point. Okay, my point is, is this. You put a lot of the valence of your life, yet kids, everything around her. And it ended. Why did it end? Well, that's complex, but uh, it's it, it it ended when I it actually was part mostly me because I uh, had a um, I had some childhood trauma come up and it was difficult for Forget, the oh, hold on a second beyond the childhood trauma. Oh, well, I'll just say we're really different. Uh, in no, terms no, of- no, no. I want to say it even simpler. OK, uh, how old are the kids when you left each other? They were all in the 20s, so. Okay, that's not uncommon. So the kids grew up and needed both of you less, right? Well, yeah, I mean, they had their, yes. Yeah, they grew, they grew up, they're all in college. They were up now, most of them are graduated. So they grew up and out. Yes. So the buffer that they created between you and your partner was no longer there because they grew up and out. That is very common in partners. Right. That if there's differences, whether there's abuse or anything, the differences in relationships become unbridled, become obvious when the distractions go away. True. Up to that point, you were the Brady Bunch. And then there's no bunch. But... But what do you do for a living? Currently, I am a help desk manager for managed service. IT, IT, manage people and data. Help desk. Yeah. Do you, do you like your job? It pays the bills. It's the only thing I can get right now. Because um, it's so it's not stimulating. Somewhat. I'll give it a 50 to 60% stimulating. Yeah. How long have you done it? In this aspect, uh, I've been there almost two years now. Okay. So it's not your career of your life. No, it's okay. not. So that's my point. Right. And Yeah. I How know. long I'm have just... you been divorced from her? Uh, a year in October. So a year before you divorced, you got a new job. Correct. You got a new job, you divorced. We were in the process of on and off divorcing before I got the job. So you had job changes. You had third center. You had a relationship change. Yep. Second center. And does she make more money or you make more money? Oh, she makes a lot more money. Of course. And money changes. Yeah, Yeah, household, everything, yeah. (laughs) And when you got divorced, are you legally married? We were legally married and legally divorced, yeah. Okay, so when you got divorced, did you get alimony? No. Thank you. So therefore, you have money problems. It's tight, yeah. Who got the house? We we sold it and and we split and well no she got more than me but we Thank sold you. it okay so you have so you didn't you're not living as flush as she is nowhere near no thank you so your style of living has gone down yes and the closeness with the kids who sees the kids more often her or you. Oh, she does because they live all over and she can travel. When they come to town, I, I see them. And, but I, yeah, she sees them more. And they have their father too. So it's not, you know, so it's, and they're busy extended families. So. so she, um, they identify as, with her as the birth mother? She is their birth mother. Yeah. I mean, when I met them, they were ages five, five, seven, 11, and 13. So. 
My point is this, you lost almost 60% of your life. The house, the money, the mate, the job, and the children. Yeah. You didn't lose your mind. Felt like it. <laughs> I know, but you haven't. So 60% of your life, you still have your mind. You're not psychotic. And you can get support. You are getting support. I am. This yeah. is devastating. And my heart goes out to you. This is a very common occurrence, but it's no less devastating. Yeah. I talked to someone who was, I don't know where they were, one of those places in the East. She talked about a typhoon. I didn't know what a typhoon was. She said it was like a tornado or something. Came in and knocked out her family. But when I read her, I knew before the type, and she said that she had PTSD because of that. But before that, I knew that her parents were going to a divorce. And so she identified the trauma as being the typhoon. Mm -hmm. But really what happened was after the typhoon, they stayed living together, even though her parents were unhealthy and her father fooled around. Are mm. you following me? Yeah. So even though she identified like you as your problem, thinking that the reason why you got a divorce was a trauma coming up, and that's where you name the issue. The better way of explaining it so you can be empathic and sensitive to yourself is that's not at all it. Because talking that way is not being kind to yourself. In Kabbalah, we have Hakma and Bina. Hakma is wisdom. And Binna is understanding. And then we have Hesed, which is kindness, and Gavura, which is tough discipline. Mm -hmm. Though it may be painful to go down and itemize all those painful, ridiculous things. She got the money. She can travel. I knew you couldn't travel like she did. No. I'm sorry. I don't mean to pummel you like this. No, you're good. You're fine. I am simply saying it's devastating. But to say that it was your trauma coming up, it may mirror what happened to you when you were growing up, the devastation. But your life became wrapped up. She, her kids... Her resources helped define your life. And for a time, it was wonderful. Yeah. And now you're going to find that core of strength within you that got you out of the original trauma. Stop thinking about the trauma that came up for you in that way. Think of it as it made you strong. Well, that's true. Strong to get out of this God-forsaken mess. <laughs> strong so that you can move forward. There was a book written. I couldn't read it because I had trouble reading. I was in the resource room. We won't tell anyone. We'll keep this between ourselves. It's called Strong in the Broken Places. Yeah. yeah. It all looks lovely over there. The grass is always greener on the other side of the trailer park. <laughs> yeah, trailer park. Yeah. I want you to understand that though this is not a clean routine at the Olympics, you fell off the bar, you will get back, and you will get back, and you will live brilliantly because you are working. You are not, you are injured, but you are not broken. Thank you. Do you understand? I do. It is not about the trauma. It is about moving forward and having pride 
in how you have survived this and you will prevail. All right. Thank you. Have empathy and sensitivity for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That is what empathy is all about. Yeah. Many people think it's about, you know, something we'll do with the other person and intuition. No, it's about kessid, kindness, and Gavura being tough with yourself. That's why, that's why Cher and Moonstruck slapped Nicolas Cage and went, snap out of it. <laughs> and then she said, meet me at the Met. That's Hesed and Gavura. She slapped him and said, snap out of it. And then Hesed, she said, meet me at the Met. All she right. slapped him and met him at the Met. Hesed and Gavura. You All have right. a wonderful day and a wonderful holiday, okay? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's all the time we have. I want to thank you for welcoming me into your day. You've been listening to Healthy Living Intuitively with me, Dr. Mona Lisa. Have a great day. Be well. Do right. Live brilliantly. Have a great week. I'll see you next week. Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Farber, and I'm an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast, Healing for Your Soul, I welcome some amazing guests and introduce you to some healing techniques like earth magic, working with nature and animals, and really getting to the heart of what is keeping you stuck. I want to help you deepen your spirituality and let go of blocks that are holding you back. Let me help you in this journey called life. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network. Subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode.